0: Welcome to the Heart of Roll America podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Radke, an American cattle rancher and motivational speaker, raising my kids and writing children's books in South Dakota. There's a David and Goliath story unfolding in agriculture today. And I don't know about you, but my money is on the underdog, the hardworking folks who value faith, family, freedom, and their farming communities. This show will highlight the untold stories of these resilient and determined families who I have the great pleasure of meeting in my travels across this nation as an agricultural speaker. It is my hope that their stories will remind us to live with great courage because we are not alone in this fight to keep producers on the land and meet dairy and eggs on the dinner table. Now let's hit the dusty trail together as we uncover the heart of rural America. Hey folks, it's Amanda Radke from CK6 Consulting. I hope you'll join me in the Appalachian Mountains on October 7th for the Point Pleasant Angus annual production sale in Bland, Virginia. Point Pleasant will be offering half interest in three E093 bred heifers, as well as a stout set of age-advantaged and yearling bulls. A sale headliner will be Point P. Oski and E093 by Deadwood Sun. Plus, Point Pleasant Angus offers free nationwide delivery. Join us for a day of great cattle, southern hospitality, and fellowship. I'll be speaking at the event about the abundance of opportunities and optimism I see in the beef cattle business today. A special thank you to our event sponsors, Virginia Cattlemen's Association, Virginia Cattlemen's Insurance Agency, and the Virginia Farm Bureau Young Farmers. After the sale, stick around for the musical talents of the Central Pickers, a local southern rock band. Point Pleasant Angus has locations in Tennessee and Virginia, both farmed by the Shaver family for generations. The Shavers live by the words of Inky Johnson, honoring those that came before us and leaving a legacy for those coming behind us. For complete details, visit pointpleasantangus.com. The auction will also be broadcast live on cci.live. We'll see you on October 7th at the Point Pleasant Angus Annual Production Sale. God bless. Welcome to the show. Here's my mom, Mandawaki. Amanda Radke for another episode of The Heart of Rural America, where we highlight great people across this beautiful country that we love who are doing inspiring things to make their communities a better place. And today I have a very special guest that kind of came to be through a mutual acquaintance back home in in Mitchell, Chad Greenway, the one and only NFL football player, farm (laughs) boy, extraordinaire. Welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on.
0: You know, I gotta admit, I feel a lot of pressure to be interviewing you uh, <laughs> because I married a Minnesota boy and we're we're just a few years younger than you. But my husband Tyler grew up kind of watching you play and uh-huh. I, I'm quite certain he wishes he was interviewing you instead of me. <laughs> I'm not going to ask any of the right questions. So to the Radke family, I super apologize if I missed the big ones to, to ask you today. You know, what I love about agriculture is, you know, we, we only grew up probably 20 minutes apart, but I never met you. But I have uh, my friend JC is dating your cousin, Wade, and, yep. and she's like, you got to get him on the show. And JC actually ships orders for me in my t-shirt business. And, and then nice. the other connection we have is Tyler's first job when he moved to South Dakota was buying hogs. And so he met your mom all those years ago, buying pigs. (laughs) <laughs> and she loves my yeah. impression too
1: <laughs> yeah my mom leaves a very good impression in lots of people the connections in South Dakota are obviously endless you can really connect yourself from one side to the other and uh north to south and east to west it's so fun and and it, when I you know any place I go of course everybody wants to make sure they know that I know they're from South Dakota I was just at the Vikings yep. game this past Sunday and uh you know everybody who was from South Dakota they make sure they say that to me and I always ask well what town I'm like oh then I always have to say the school mascot you know like you have to like prove that you know everything about every town in South Dakota it's a it's a great thing to be a part of it's it's such a special place and and uh yeah it's 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 unique to a lot of people because it's such a small state but it's a it's such a small great group of people
0: it is and and obviously you've now traveled the world and done a lot of things so maybe let's just start talking about your career in the NFL with the Vikings I I mean you had a long 11-year career tell us kind of what that looks like for you and, and maybe some career highlights
1: yeah, 11 years. Um, you know, really, I wasn't a super, super big Vikings fan growing up. I was sort of the guy who I like, rooted against them because my friends were all Vikings fans. And then I, you know, as I got older and got more mature, I realized that we should probably be cheering for our hometown teams, which which the Vikings essentially are. So to get drafted to Minnesota was really special and unique. And I didn't really realize how good that was and how lucky I was until I started having children. And then my grand, you know, grand grandpa and grandma could drive across the border four and a half hours and come see the grandkids and I could get home easier. And just that that was really lucky. And we're very fortunate. And so many people could kind of live through my career, you know, and there, everybody who's from South Dakota was so proud that I was a South Dakotan and representing uh, the state in Minnesota. And I think it, it became a, a priority for me to always just really be you know make South Dakota proud you know make the right decisions do the right things you know be a great dad husband and, and sort of leader for our community and our state and I always kind of wore that badge and, and it was important to me you know playing 11 years in the NFL is, is dang near impossible I mean the, the percentages of, of making it are so hard and obviously growing up in, in small town and playing nine-man football the the odds were way against me but you know my mentality growing up was that I was going to figure it out and I was going to make it and, and I always had that mentality I always believed that I could do that and just had so many great people in my life to, to help me get there. And when I got the the Vikings, you know, you really, you're kind of taken aback as is how much of a business it is and how cutthroat it is. And, you know, yeah. certainly in South Dakota growing up, like you learn some cutthroat things when it comes to like farm business or management, and, like you have to figure out like how to manage that and, and when to make tough decisions. And in the NFL, that was just a whole wild world of, of everybody is out to seek their own individual, you know, and, and when it's always driven by money, it's, it could be a challenge, but I found that my roots really saved me and helped me and really building relationships with people was the most important thing and the priority. And if I, I just was good to people and treated them well and, and enjoyed myself, good things happened. And, you know, obviously in the NFL, you have to be good. And, it, you know, I was good long enough to be able to maintain, you know, 11-year career. And, yeah, I was really lucky. But, yeah, highlights, you know, making it, make it the NFC Championship game in 2009. I was named Pro Bowl a couple of times, all pro once. Finished, I think, third in the history of the Vikings in tackles all time. It was a lot of fun. I put my best foot forward every day. And I feel like when I retired, like I think I've leaked every bit of talent out of my body. I feel like I was one of those guys that, that was able to empty the tank. And that's that's a good feeling.
0: Yeah, that's great. And that was Tyler's one question he wanted me to ask you, was how you were able to have such a long career. What was the secret to longevity? And I was going to guess. I'm like, well, it's all the beef and pork you probably grew up on. Back yeah. on the farm. Yeah. I mean, he's strong that way. But but you really credit it to kind of the roots in agriculture, kind of teaching you how to, to navigate relationships, or, or I guess I don't want to speak for you, but that longevity piece, can we talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of that has to do with luck. I mean, to be honest with you, in the NFL, injury is the only thing that's guaranteed in, in football. I had, you know, a couple, I, had, I don't know, five, six knee surgeries, a couple ACLs. So I had some hard hardships when it came to injuries, but I was able to come back from them. And after I had hurt my knee my my rookie year i played like eight and a half years in a row without missing a game and so like that longevity was i i honestly would say it's more has to do with luck of course i took care of my body and i played through a lot of crazy gnarly injuries that a lot of people probably wouldn't have done but i always believed like my best ability was availability just to show up and be consistent and be the same guy that i always was was my best ability you know as as talented physically or mentally that i was on the football field always being there and being present and being a leader was probably the best thing I had. And so I really made that my focus is like, no matter what happens, the situation, the injury, I'm going to find a way to get on the field and to make an impact. And, uh, that was probably my, the biggest thing. And, you know, I, I, I was a, I'm a cold tub guy, so I'd always jump in the cold tub after, you know, after every practice. And now they say, that's why I have four daughters. So I don't know if that's, if there's any truth to that or not, but, um, but that's a blessing into itself. But yeah, it was just, I think a lot of luck, honestly. And I think I've been lucky all the way through. I mean, the, the, you know, I think a lot of luck is, has to do with the the people that come into your life at the right time and then your ability to snatch that opportunity and take it and, and leverage that person that wants to help you. And I was very, very lucky in that way from my parents to my high school coaches, to my college coaches, I had one scholarship offer. So like just the right coach, the right player, the right person found me very much stars aligned type situation.
0: The Heart of rural America is presented to you by my dear friends at CK6 Consulting, a cattle business consulting service with a purebred Angus focus. I recently joined the CK6 crew and I would love to connect with you at an upcoming sale. Check out the sale calendar at ck6consulting.com to learn more about opportunities to invest in elite Angus genetics coming from our progressive and innovative clients who truly exemplify what it means to be the heart of rural America. And for all your semen needs, visit ck6source.com, an online stud service that features some of our clients' top performing bulls. Give Chris Earle, Wes Tiemann, Cody Fleeman, or myself a call with any questions or business inquiries you may have. CK6 is all about families helping families, and I'm so proud and grateful to be a part of it. Now let's get back to the show. Well, this is probably going really deep early in the show, but you have a beautiful wife and, and four kids, and obviously your faith is important to you. How did that play a role in kind of growing up and then being on the field? I mean, did you carry that with you during your career?
1: Yeah, you know, we are uh, we actually grew up in the Salem Lutheran Church in Mount Vernon, okay. um, so grew up Lutheran, and, you know, for us, it was always, you know, dad worked every day of the week. So my parents, my mom taught Sunday school growing up, and that was kind of our, our entry into and, into the church. And. I think she lost that opportunity because she swore a few too many times when she was getting after kids <laughs> that weren't listening. My mom's my mom's amazing in several ways and, and she was just always wanted to be involved and and so church was important to us and more really more about how we live our lives and how we make decisions, you know, in our community and with people, quite honestly. How do people treat us and how do we live our lives? You know, I think some good examples of that, like that I learned from my dad was was we didn't have a lot of money, we didn't have a lot of resources in that respect. But what we did have for resources was you mentioned earlier, like beef pork we had a lot of meat we had we had a lot of things we could give people and and they they gave to church you know that we would harvest the pig um, around holiday time and then we would donate all that meat to families that needed that support and I think that's that's one thing you just learn at a young age on just giving and being selfless and you know I think that's what was our connection to kind of just like the charitable work that we're now doing in our in our life you know in football and after football but also tied back to our faith and just giving to other people and just treating people well and Always a great lesson, of course, in, in our small town of you know, four hundred people and three churches, you know, it's it's important. And we did have more churches than bars, which is unique in a small town. So uh, <laughs>
0: absolutely yes, <you> <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's talk a little bit about the farm. What what was the farm like growing up? What role did you play? What did your childhood look like?
1: Yeah, I mean I grew up on a on a family farm in South Dakota in Mount Vernon. So it was just a really fun experience that we had, uh, we ra- we raised uh, pigs and cows we had chickens, meat, chickens growing up. And then we had, you know, corn, soybeans, wheat, you know, we, we farmed uh, up to about 2000 acres and it just, you know, life was good, man. It was just the simple life of, of doing chores and, and, um, you know, having your responsibilities on the farm, being a part of our community, playing sports—just an unbelievably incredible childhood. That gets, I guess you call it the simple life. But man, was it a good life! And and I, I always think the best example that I got of of sort of how the farm helped me is I had responsibilities. You know, we called them chores, but those mm-hmm. things really. The family business, you know, it wasn't like taking out the garbage or, uh, you know, doing something simple. I mean, it was, you need to go fix that, you know, stretch a fence or you need to go make sure we're going we're gonna to load pigs in the morning or we're going to move cows or we're going to go work cows or whatever that is. I mean, um, you know, work the fields so we can plant. I mean, the stuff that you learned and the responsibility you learned with that. Is something that will stay with you forever. You know, obviously, genetically, you know, coming from my parents, extremely hard workers. So it's ingrained into us as kids. It wasn't to me just what hard work looked like. Um, yeah. And our ability to, to have fun while we worked hard and to do it as a family. And so many great examples I can give one specifically was Kyle Baker, who's Kyle and Kelly, who are great friends of mine, they have the pumpkin patch and watermelon patch on their farm. And and um, so they would come help us, you know, load pigs and move pigs, and we would come help them harvest their melon or pumpkins. And, you know, being in that that line of like 30 people, they're like throwing watermelons and stacking them in so they can go take them to, to market. I mean, those are things like, and you can remember that the, your reward was watermelon. You know, that was your reward. Uh, that's how they paid you. And just, you can remember those times and just thinking back now, is just so fun. And you didn't even realize how hard you were working, stacking hay bales in the summer in the dead of heat and putting them up in the hay loft. I mean, if you've never you've never seen heat like being in the in a corner soybean bin when you're trying to run the vac and clean those out or run the sweep, I mean those lessons of hard work and but really like the idea of like you have to get this done and do it the right way, mm-hmm. otherwise we, you know we suffer in some way as a as a business and a family business. i think I think that responsibility really stayed with me, and just the expectation of what hard work looked like. So then, when I went to college and and no longer had the farm work, I was just academics and football, it was really quite easy, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. At least the work, the work the work, part was like, you know, this isn't challenging at all. So a really big advantage that I didn't really as, realize I had just by growing up with the mentality I did and the people you around know, me.
0: So. Absolutely. And you, you kind of mentioned a few things, that community aspect, that when the neighbors needed help, you would show up and vice versa. There's nothing better than doing a weaning or prank checking the cattle or something, but yeah. all the neighbors show up and you just do it together and you create all these wonderful memories that you kind of take for granted, uh, but the other side of it, the just the chore part. I remember having that same realization with my friends when they'd come to school and complain about their chores they yeah, had to do on the yeah. weekend, like clean their room. Or I was like, wait, that's just like the beginning of the day. But there's not, yeah. you know, like out there doing back break and work, kind of, you know. It's like, and and so much, so much of that is kind of life and death too. If you make a stupid mistake, you're either injured, mm-hmm. you're killed or, or something on the farm suffers, or you lose thousands and thousands of dollars. It's a, I I had someone on social media, criticized me this summer because the, our kids were throwing square bills and they're like, really, why are you having these kids work? And it was like, (laughs) I don't even even know how to have the conversation with you because if you don't know the value of it and and that it's family working together and what can come from that, like, I, I guess I'm just sorry you don't get to experience it, you know? And so I guess my next question would be, how involved are you in the farm now? Do your girls get to go back to the farm and kind of experience some of that life? Or are you trying to kind of instill that into the next generation somehow?
1: Wow. Yeah, so that's like, that's the challenge. My my wife grew up in in the suburb of Chicago, so she didn't grow up in and around a farm. So that was sort of new to her. Um, but you know, the one thing that you know I look back as a dad now of having four girls is like they don't they're not getting that same experience that I had in and that same childhood. We sort of try to use you know different things to try to emulate that type of work ethic, whether it be your academics and your athletics, like those types of things that as the sports world's changed, like you become more focused on those types of things. And we don't have, you know, the responsibilities and the chores like I had. I don't have a, a, a working farm that I live on. So, you know, those decisions obviously impact, you know, your kids and that, and that relationship with work and, and what you can do and what you can gain from that. So, you know, as a, as a dad, I feel like there's just so many opportunities that I haven't had that I've sort of failed in because like you want to give them that opportunity to go work hard and earn it and see what that feels like on the other side of it. So I, we, we get back as often as we can to the farm, but it's so challenging with our kids' schedules and our own personal schedules. So, um, you know, they get back and they love going back as often as they can to go into grandmas and being on the farm and having that freedom and that sense of being able to go outside and, and just, you know, kick rocks around and just play on the hay bales. Um, so I, I actually bought a farm, 70 acres, just with about 20 to 25 minute drive away from where I live here in Minnesota. So we have, we basically built over the last year and a half, our own little hobby farm. So we have eight critters out there. We have donkeys and cows. Never thought I'd own a donkey, but I own four of them.
0: Wow. And, yeah.
1: And we have, uh, we have four Scottish Highlanders, the long haired, long haired uh, Highlanders. So oh, the dog is welcoming somebody. So that's, so that's been, that's been fun. It's good, been good for the kids to get out there and have some freedom. You know, we have a side-by-side they could ride around and enjoy. There's lots of fun things that they get to do to kind of have that farm, you know, ish type, you know, no, nothing like what I had, but they've had a little sense of it. You know, we're growing watermelons and pumpkins, uh, potatoes, squash, you have a bunch of gardens. So they're seeing, you know, cause they're seeing that they're seeing me, Canned vegetables again, which I, you know, I hadn't done since I was a kid. So they're seeing a lot of those things and helping me, which is a lot of fun to at least give them a little bit of a taste of it.
0: I think there is that balance that each generation coming from agriculture or any walk of life, you want the next generation to have an easier life than the previous one, and and so I think it's cool though that you're kind of going full circle and trying to instill some of those lessons that the previous generations taught you. But fun fact, I spoke at the National Highland meeting uh, this summer. Oh, nice. in South Dakota, but I didn't realize there is so much economic opportunities in this breed. Like they're selling their their calves for like eight thousand bucks a pop because everybody (laughs) likes these cute little cows. So your daughters have maybe a budding business opportunity there that they could take advantage of.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's funny. We didn't we didn't look at it that way, obviously, and we're not and we haven't gone down the path of like, you know, of doing that like breeding but the opportunity is there certainly but it's a great breed it's it's really fun breed to have in like our setting of like a hobby setting because they're they're very they're very passive they sort of they sort of hang out they love to eat snacks and apples and stuff out of your hands so it's really fun to have around we love having folks out to the farm and and the kids just adore them they're so it's so fun so that, that's that's been good we put up hay for the first time this summer the girls got to see that in action they have their own hay bale stack they get to play on so you know there's there's this idea that like Really, it was motivated more by me to say I need to do more of this, right? And now I can hunt on the property, and I can I can show the kids, you know, what that's like, and so they've just become a little sense of how I grew up. It's been it's been such a blessing for us to be able to do that.
0: Oh, I love it! And kind of looking at your your football career, I'm sure you were one of very few farm boys playing in the NFL. Would you were there a few few out there playing? Or yeah. you? okay, so you know, me, playing and competing against guys from all walks of life. Kind of, did you have some interesting experiences or conversations with people being curious about agriculture?
1: Oh, yeah, all the time. So, yeah, I grew up, or not grew up, but we had uh, teammates from that were ranchers down in Texas to um, down south just working on farms or living on farms or acreages. A lot of people that had just like, you know, chickens and things that would, that would uh, feed their own families. So I think it's when you play with people from all over the world and country specifically, you meet people from the, from down south and how they grew up and it's just different. Then you meet people from the city who have no idea what you're talking about at all. And you get in these conversations that are really fun and unique. And I think you know, I always think like the, the cure to our society's ills is an NFL locker room because you can you can say anything you want and nobody's offended. And you can uh, talk about all things. Everything's on the table. And you can have an open conversation about it and truly say your feelings. And I think when you're trying to teach and educate somebody about, about agriculture, about farm life, like they have an opinion of what, you know, of what you are or, or what it's like to to live out there and to grow up in that world. But for those who know, they know how, how blessed we are to have grown up in that setting. And you try to explain that to people, just like the freedom and the openness. And they don't really know until they go see that themselves. And I've had several teammates that I've taken out to South Dakota and back to my farm. And some teammates even here locally that I've taken to my farm now. And just like their reaction is always the same. They just they love it. They love the openness, the freedom, the quiet. You know, and I always say like, you know, my me going and building fence for an afternoon of three or four hours and and not getting bothered one time unless I choose to be bothered is such a freeing experience in our society. Now that's, you know, so technology based, you're always connected to social media or somebody that can always, people can always find you. Um, they can always call you and text you. We didn't have that. Like you were gone in the, in, when you were a kid and nobody yep. could reach you and you, you weren't distracted again, like, this technology is well documented that it it traps you right these kids and like it 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 brings you in and it knows how your brain works and it it wants to keep you in that in your room scrolling and like as kids we're so fortunate because we didn't even know that existed our instagram and our social media was outside and we just lived it and loved it and even as adult i find myself like mind numbly on my phone i'm like i use like you i give myself alarms and checks every day of like I can only be on these apps so many times because I need to get my butt outside and do something. So it's, it's funny when you have these conversations about agriculture and farm with people that have no perspective at all, that grew up in a city and have no idea where their food comes from or, or how it's sourced or what's put into that and, and how much farmers love their animals that, they, that they're raising. Um, it's fun to educate and teach people about that.
0: The Heart of Rural America is presented in part by Lynn's Heritage Angus and Meats by Lynn's. Founded in 1963 as a Chicago neighborhood butcher shop and growing to an international supplier of high-quality beef in the white tablecloth space, Meats by Lynn's is a four-generation family-owned business. The Lynn's Heritage Angus Program was developed to allow for greater control of the end product. A focus on using elite Angus genetics while also managing the feed, environment, age, and weight of the cattle, allows Fred Linds and his crew the ability to source the very best beef produced from the heart of their Angus program, meeting and exceeding the needs of their customers worldwide. Discover more at LindsHeritageAngus.com and shop for beef at ShopLinds.com. Use code AMANDA20 to save 20% on your next beef purchase. That's a pretty sweet deal, my fellow beef lovers. Working cattle can be stressful at times, but the job is made so much easier with equipment that is safe, strong, and simply designed. I highly recommend real tough livestock equipment for all your working facility needs. We just installed the deluxe chute at Radke Land and Cattle, and it has been an absolute game changer as we run cows through our chute during AI season. It's durable and easy to use, and it's made to last a lifetime. RealTough offers a wide range of products, including calving barns, panels, loading chutes, tubs, alleys, and portable working systems. Manufactured in the U.S. of A., RealTough is family-owned and operated. Their commitment to helping farm and ranch families truly exemplifies what this show is all about. Learn more at RealTough.com, that's T-U-F-F, and be sure to tell them Amanda sent you to receive an extra bonus with your order. Let's get you some iconic green real tough equipment headed your way. I promise you're going to love it. I guess I just do want to go back to what you said about wanting to make South Dakota proud and kind of wearing this badge of like I need to be a good influence and a good mentor and, and represent people well. I, I know watching you, that's what I always appreciate it because so often, you know, a kid can decide, oh, I'm gonna follow this professional player or this celebrity or something. And Inevitably, they kind of let you down, or they, you know, they. <laughs> yeah. there, there is that, that pressure. So I'm I'm glad you use that platform to just be such a great advocate and and representative of kind of who we are back in rural America. So if, if you haven't been thanked yet, I just wanted yeah. to thank you for that. And I guess let's look at let's kind of pivot to your business life now. You know where life has taken you after your NFL
1: career? Yeah, so it's been fun. It's been a fun transition. You know, I studied, you know, communication studies in college, which served me really well, just my ability to speak in front of people and and do interviews and, and do public speaking. So I do I do a lot of public speaking, actually. I do a lot of corporate speaking events as well. You know, my agriculture background has opened up a, a whole new web of, like, companies that are interested in bringing me in and, like, talking about my football career and that connection to agriculture, which has been really fun and, and it is unique. So that's been, that's one business that I have had and I've, I've built since basically college as a speaking business, so... So I am for hire, which is fun. And then I have a, a couple of the businesses that are exciting. So I have a great Duck spirits, which is a company that I founded or helped found five years ago, uh, about a year and a half out of, out of my career. I was one of four of us that founded a spirits company. We started with a vodka called great up vodka. Now we have a seltzer. We just launched a new product with caribou called a spiked nitro cold brew, which is a brand new product that just hit like three days ago. Cool. Um, we have a, a couple other things coming down the pipeline. So that's been a really fun project. We're, we're in uh, officially in five states with our own products, but we're now we're now producing private labeled spirits and beer and seltzers for all over the country now. So we're working different groups from uh, basically from Maryland all the way out to as far west as Nevada. Where we're private labeling things for different companies and and producing them. And we have a bottling facility. We have some co-packers for other products. So that's been a life of learning the last wow. five years, making failures and having successes and understanding how hard it is to market against these massive companies that have all the dollars and all the bandwidth in people's minds of, of what of what they think they should be drinking. So that's been really that's been a really fun challenge and we've gotten our business now to the point where, you know, we're doing really, really well. And, you know, it's, it's fun to see it grow, fun to see expand. And then it's fun to see our partners, myself and our partners just sort of like navigate this world with zero industry knowledge at all. Not one of us had industry knowledge and we've just, we've, and now we're, you know, we're, we're buying labels and cans and we're doing all this crazy stuff that we never thought we'd be able to do.
0: So how can people support you in that? Can they purchase products online or kind of give us the rundown of how we can follow along in that venture?
1: Yeah, if you live, you know. So we, we primarily with our with our spirits that we um, we have with gray duck. It's in the Dakotas, Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin. So if the listeners are there, you can go out and basically to any retail store and and look and find it. If they don't have it, you always can ask for it, and, and stores will bring it in okay. so you can try it. Our seltzer became even more popular on a revenue basis than our vodka this summer. It was a, just a huge summer for our seltzer, which is awesome. Um, and the new products they're hitting are going to be really, really fun as well. This, this Spiked Nitro Cold Brew, of course, when you get a chance to work with a company like Caribou, which, which is in all 50 states in some capacity. They don't have brick and mortar in all 50 states, but they have some, some connection to all of them. Pretty unique and special. So we feel like this might be our first product that's an actual national brand, awesome. uh, which is exciting. So, um, yeah, you can go out and support us. You can obviously go on our website at Great Up Spirits. You can follow us on any you know, social media handle and see what we're up to. But we're always doing signings or giveaways we're doing a flyaway right now with um, with the Minnesota Vikings on, and win a trip to Vegas. So we're doing lots of fun stuff with that. We, we're the official vodka of the Minnesota Twins and the Minnesota Vikings. We have a bar at Target Field, which I'll actually be bartending at tomorrow for fun on a celebrity, like a celebrity basis. So oh. that, business is, that business is really fun. And, and it's, it's fun to be creative in that space, too, and just try to learn how to handle some of the issues that come up.
0: We just could have cracked open the seltzer or the cold brew. This. Yeah. this interview would have been way more colorful, probably.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's a little early in the day, but hey, it's five o'clock. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a really neat pivot to kind of see. I'm sure when you were a kid growing up playing football, you probably never would have guessed this is what you would have been doing. Like, do you do you look back on your life and just is, does it shock you? Does it surprise you, or or does it like oh <laughs> this all kind of lined up just as God intended? I, I guess how do you look yeah. At
1: I don't know how I don't know how I think. About it's that's a hard question to answer. I mean, I, f- I feel like I was kind of it's gonna be sound very weird or even self centered. Like, I, f- I just felt like I was chosen to lead this path because when I was a kid, like, I always had a belief that I was gonna make it. Okay, I always believed that I was gonna go be a professional athlete, and I don't know what made me think that. I had really no reason to. I mean, there was no perfect examples coming from our area on how to do it or, or how to make mm-hmm. it. You know, obviously, fam- our family's extremely athletic, but for all those things to be connected and to make it. And then now to look back on my career and, and just know how hard it is to make it and how many really, really good talented people don't make it just to know that I was one of those chosen few that, that had the right kind of makeup to do it. And then now to be on the other side of it and have just beautiful family and beautiful wife. And, you know, a lot of that, I feel like is just, again, goes back to how I was made with my parents mm-hmm. and, they showed me how to live in a relationship and, and how to battle through tough times and good times. And, you know, to watch my, my parents, you know, run their family business together. And, you know, you see them argue and fight over a decision on when to sell corn to, you know, being married and in love. And it's like all the same, all in the same day or in the same hour sometimes, you know, yeah. and it's like, you learn, you learn a lot as a kid watching how your parents interact. And I know my wife and I think about that all the time when our kids are around and, and what, you know, what you're, the conversations you're having and how you're treating each other. And then, uh, in turn, how you're treating your children. So those things really helped me now as an adult at 40, look back. And as, at the time, of course, you're 16, 18, 20 years old. You have no idea what, what you're really seeing wow. is how important it is until you have it, a, the perspective of an adult. You look back and be like, wow, like I was really fortunate to have all these opportunities and have these great people in my life. And I think the one the one thing that stands true from like my childhood all the way till now in business is uh, your ability to build relationships <laughs> in authenticity of just being who you are and not having to fake it with people Mm -hmm. really is the most important thing the only advice my dad really gave me before i left and went to iowa was just don't forget where you came from and i think that mentality of you know what does that mean that can mean a lot of things right you know keep your hometown roots you know small town mentality you know farming background like use that like there's a lot of things you can use you can take from that but Um, I always think it's like you want to treat people how you want to be treated, no matter what stage you're in in your life, you know, no matter what kind of pedestal people are putting you on. Have a conversation with somebody to be authentic, to look them in the eye and to to care what they're saying and respond. And in business, now on the other side of things, like that's really the same thing. It's like when I go into a retail store and I shake the hand of the GM or the owner and like let them know that I'm really excited to be there and I want to be there. Mm -hmm even sometimes when it's hard and you don't have time and you don't want to do it, like, you know, to be authentic and be, you know, I'll even be honest. Like, yeah, I'm exhausted today or have this going on. Like it's real to people, you know, and like, I don't have to hide from anything when you have, you know, when you, when you're authentic and, and you care about other people. So that's been, that's been really tried and true all the way through. And, and I've uh, been very fortunate to have great people around me.
0: I love that. And I think that's very valuable advice, no matter where, where life takes you. And I know giving back is really important to you as well. And and so can you talk to me a little bit about some of the charitable works you do to give back in, in the Minnesota area?
1: Yeah. There's one, one last example I want to give on that, on just relationships, this is my dad and mom, as they built their farm. You know, there's always, a, as you know, there's always like this this um, gold rush when a, when a new quarter of land goes up for sale or when somebody hears about a piece of property that's within a, you know, within a tractor drive of your farm. You know, I, I just heard of a farm sale back uh, just south of Mount that went for like $11,000 um, per acre, you know, just crazy prices. Um, and I always thought it was a good example of my parents. Like they would never climb over the top of a neighbor mm-hmm. to build their own business. Yeah. And, you know, even if it was a piece of property they really wanted to have or they really wanted to be able to afford and make it work and kind of, you know, rent or whatever they would always make sure that the person who had been farming it had the first chance because they knew that that family's business counted on that piece of property. So I always felt like that example of like you know you I'm never my parents were never willing to have success on the back of somebody else's failures and I think that was really valuable. Um and then the other thing you know just with the charity pieces our lead the way foundation we started in 2008 um and that was became a really a, huge priority for us to get back to different uh, hospitals clinics families and we really started to focus on childhood disease and, and illness and again using the platform of the NFL and all, all the things that it provided was pretty unique and special and uh, to watch our foundation grow over the last you know 15 to 20 years now has been amazing and now we're 18 years in or 15 years in sorry I me do the math 15 years in and to see the impact we've made over those years are we have uh, different programs and 12 different hospitals across the Midwest uh, from North Dakota down to Iowa city. And, you know, just see the impact of the families we've made the the women we've met through our tender heart luncheon, these moms of, of all these sick children. It's it's amazing to have made an impact and met, met so many people. And I think at the end of the day, like you want to be known for something other than just playing football or, or being famous from South Dakota, you want to, you want to be, you want to make a bigger impact and our foundations allowed us to do that.
0: I I do a lot of speaking too. And I, when I mentor high school and and college kids, I always say it's great to find your passion, but, passion without a real purpose is is pretty aimless or pretty mm-hmm. meaningless. So it sounds like you've found a purpose of of how to take the opportunities you've been blessed with and to kind of move forward to make make your community a better place. So I really appreciate that. I guess as we wrap up today, any any parting words for and there's going to be a lot of farm families listening to this and um, you you mentioned the price of land being $11,000. <laughs> I mean, tell me right. about it. It's a uh, it's it's tough. I I guess any advice you would have from a business perspective now that you're chasing these entrepreneurial pursuits and you've learned so much from the farm too, any advice you would give to these families kind of navigating the ups and downs of what it takes to run a business?
1: I hate to tell you what I paid per acre on my farm here in Minnesota. So close <laughs> well, to, so close well to the thankfully
0: you have an NFL salary. I don't, I don't have that. Yeah. I, I, don't
1: <laughs> I used to have an NFL salary. Now, now it's big to be careful now. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. You know, I think, I think in my business ventures, I think the easiest way to describe it would be like, like our, the, the South Dakota scores app that I'm a part of now, the South Dakota Scorefeed app is it's renamed. I really consume and like, you know, the, the things that I like, right. So high school sports, I really like and love high school sports and like what, how fun to have a business or be a part of a business that is involved in high school athletics. And I feel like it's passionate for me. It's a great company. It's great people to work with. And at the end of the day, like you're doing, you're providing something when filling a a niche and a void that's there in the market. And I think that's something that you feel like you're making an impact, but you're having fun doing something you're passionate about. Um, The spirits, the spirits thing, I can't lie to you and tell you that I was passionate about that. But what I became passionate about was overcoming the failures that we would would go through as a business. So as I got into this business and it was, became very interesting on how we could make it and how we could beat these big companies. It became a it became a, um, a competition for us. When yeah. people would tell us no, it's like, okay, we're going to find a way and we're going to show you. And all those people that told us no five years ago now are carrying all of our products and they're happy to be carrying them and they're supporting us and we're supporting them. And we had to educate them and we had to teach them. And we had to go shake their hands repeatedly after they told us no. That moment of competition and, and saying, you know what, you can't do this. Kind of drove me, and that was always part of my my career too. With being a small town kid, is you always felt like you were climbing an uphill battle in some cases, and you were an underdog. And I felt like really use that as motivation, as a chip on my shoulder to go prove everybody wrong that I could do it, that I could go do this, and I could go do that. Now I can run a business, and I can I can show you how I'm going to do it. So I think in business, uh, because it is the farm was ever changing. It's just wild. You have to do things that you're passionate about, because then when you wake up in the morning, and even if you're risking you know, financially, you're, you're taking risk or you're taking risk personally with your time or with your family, like, at least, you know, it's something that you're truly, truly passionate about. And typically, if you're passionate about it, you're going to love it. Mm-hmm. And if you love it, you're going to put a lot of time into it. And if you're putting a lot of time into it, you love it, you're probably going to be pretty successful at it. And yeah. um, those things are just a really good elixir and mix for, for having success. And I think the one thing I would learn from my parents that I think they would probably look back and maybe have a little regret is take a little bit more risk. Is if you have something that you think might just be, might overextend you or might put your family in a little bit of a precarious position, like you got to be really smart, right? Because it's your family, it's your livelihood, it's putting food on the table, these things really matter. But are you willing to take that risk for something you're really passionate about It could impact and change your whole family's life? I feel like that's something that I, that I learned and say, okay, what is that calculated risk that makes the most sense? And it's hard to identify it. But a lot of times, um, there's a lot of signs pointing to that being the right decision, whether it's through prayer or through your thought process or through the right people. Um, I always feel like, why did that person come into my life at this point? It just mm-hmm. seems like that's meant to be. And I yeah. uh, try to make decisions in, the, in that way. And the world's always giving you signs. You just got to be looking for them. And I think that's a, a good perspective to have. And then lastly is you got to work. I mean yeah. – If you're not willing to work, I mean, you're, you're just going to be left behind at the end of the day. And that's the biggest thing I worry about for this generation of kids coming up on the farm as well, because everything's technology-based. You're not doing anything with your hands anymore as much with your hands, I should say. Um, is even those kids that are born in the same environment I was born in don't have the same work ethic we did, you know, 20 years ago. That's just the truth because more things are done through technology. And, you know, what are those kids going to go find a passion about? You know, what are those kids going to go find and and, and go get that um, landscaping or construction or working job to do with your hands because you're passionate and you love it? And this is the last, last thing that I tell my kids is you need to be the business owner. You go to school and you go to school with the purpose to learn how to run a business, how to do a PL, a profit loss, and how to understand how business structure works. I did not do that through my education. And if I could go back, I would go to business school and understand how business operates. So, my girls, it is mandatory that you will own a business in your yeah. life and mm-hmm. learn how to run. How to go through failures and have successes, and and how to put a business plan together. Those are things that my wife got educated in in her accounting degree, and I didn't, and I wish so much that I would have. And a lot of the classes that I took were complete BS. And I would go do anything to go back and go sit in economics classes and business classes and entrepreneurial classes to understand those things better. So kids that are listening that don't think you know your academics are important. Man, they're everything, but be purposeful about them. Like, don't just go to college to you know to have fun. Go to college with a purpose, and that's hard to that's hard to describe to an 18-year-old, but if I could go back and do it again, man, I would. I would live it differently because I would study different things.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I was communications major too, and it, it's great because I'm not speaking. But yeah, running businesses, mm-hmm. it's like, man, I should have paid more attention in accounting class and finding I totally yeah. agree. J.C. was very correct that she said you guys would get along well because I think I could ask yeah. questions all day and and learn a lot from you. But I know you have a ton to do and. And so I will I will let you go. But before we do, how can folks follow you to either book you for a speech or are your presence on social media beyond the the spirits company? I guess where can people learn more about what you do?
1: Yeah, you can follow me on social at, at Chad Greenway52 on Twitter and you can obviously DM me on Instagram at Chad Greenway52 if you're looking for a business to speak directly to me. I have um, I have people that that operate that for me, but I like to do those things myself. So just connect me direct. To me directly, our Lead the Way Foundation, the website is chadgreenway.org. Okay. If you want to learn how to support us at our foundation, the work we're doing, you can learn about all of our programming there at chagreement.org. And you can also uh, book to speak there as well. Or, you know, I'm, I'm always signing things and doing things for, for benefits in high schools. So if you have a question or want to reach out, connect through me, uh, to me through there as well.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. And I know this episode is going to be very valuable
1: to so many people. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been fun. And, and it's always fun talking about rural America. Thank
0: you for tuning into the show. If you found value in the message, I would be so grateful if you would subscribe and share to help spread the word. Until next time we meet on the dusty trail, I'm Amanda Radke and this is The Heart of Roll America.